Because, like, psychological horror could be interesting. It could. Hello and welcome to the After Spark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 18, The Immobilizer. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yeah. And today, on Show and Tell, we mean the Transformers, Wheeljack wants to bask in his co-workers' acclaim. He has created the Wheeljack Instant Immobilizer. That's a mouthful. Oh god! It abbreviates down to, like, W-I-I, so it's the Wii. <laughs> as long as he copyrights it, they can't have the Wii in their universe, I, I mean, guess. it's in the 80s, so it's before the Wii came out. He theoretically could. Yeah. That, and I mean, it's maybe different enough that they wouldn't, yeah, who knows? Have any issues. Does Nintendo even exist in this world? I don't know. Who the heck knows? Maybe. Or maybe it's Nintendo. <laughs> and everything would be just slightly to the left. <laughs> the peanut gallery comes closer to witness this scientific marvel. To show off Wheeljack's invention, Hound makes a hologram of Laserbeak as a test subject. I don't know why they're doing a hologram. Would it freeze a hologram? I don't know. I had that exact thought when we were watching. I'm like, wait, does this even work? Or is Hound just going to simulate the, the effects? How does that work? I feel like they didn't think this through. Okay. Could they think anything through? I don't know. And Spike calls him that Decepticon Dirty Bird laser beak. Or the hologram. He calls the hologram that. Shut up, Spike. <laughs> And then Ironhide walks in, and Ironhide obviously wasn't briefed on any of no, this. No, none of it. <laughs> so Ironhide walks in, sees Laserbeak, and begins firing wildly in the main room with Teletran 1, knocking several of the stalactites down on top of his allies. <laughs> they didn't think this through. Yeah, you, yeah, I feel like there should be, like, I don't know, maybe a, like, arc-wide memo, hey, we're testing out some tech, don't freak out, or something? But no, uh, no, we never think that far ahead. Or going outside to test things. <laughs> Though we'll see that being a problem later. <laughs> Spike brushes himself off and tells Ironhide, it was a hologram, buddy. <laughs> he brushes himself off really strangely, too, like, because it doesn't, he's not moving like you would expect when you're dusting yourself off. It almost looks like he's polishing something that isn't there. <laughs> yeah, it's just weirdly animated. To make it even better, Ironhide makes perspective his bitch as he crosses in front of Spike. Despite clearly being behind him, there's some scale issues. It's weird. Yeah, me thinks they did not layer things correctly. <laughs> yeah. Ironhide, to his credit, is very apologetic and digs Wheeljack out of a pile of rocks. A pile of rocks that Ironhide created, so, like, let's be honest here. <laughs> and there's some weird perspective issues here, too. Yeah, there's just a lot of weirdness here. Wheeljack's invention was broken in all this chaos, so he sends Bumblebee and Spike into town to pick up a polarizer. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure you can just pick that up at the grocery store, buddy. Or, well, considering that we did research, maybe the camera store? Yeah, a polarizer, I think when we looked it up, was a camera piece. But but it does not look like a camera piece when I, uh, Wheeljack screws it on later, so I'm not really sure if it even is remotely the same thing, or if the writers picked a word at random that sounded good and sciency. I mean, how would you pick something up in town that is to scale with whatever the hell Wheeljack exactly. to use it for? Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? 
We cut to a scene of Bumblebee and Spike chilling in an arcade where Bumblebee is surrounded by a crowd of people playing a game that appears to be called Robot Resource. <sighs> With Spike looking like the hippest dude there. He's just leaning up against that thing looking cool. He has a giant alien robot as one of his best friends. Can you really get any hipper than that? Oh, compared to everyone else in the crowd, not yeah. really. <laughs> And here is where we meet Carly, our only human female main character in the series. It seems like Spike is smitten instantly, but Carly's much more interested in Bumblebee. After introducing her to B, Spike is suddenly super, super interested in returning to the Ark with Wheeljack's, you know, shopping list thing. <laughs> I think he's jealous. I think he's jealous that she wants to talk to B and not him. <laughs> he gets really... It seems like he gets weirdly bashful or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Not very clear. There's only so much you can communicate in this badly animated episode. Yeah, yeah. And then Spike and Bumblebee leave the arcade through what must be an extremely oversized door, because, you know, Bumblebee fits perfectly. Yep. The arcade, uh, as we see when they step outside, is apparently called Robots Video Arcade. <laughs> well, I guess they just really wanted to get into... All of the robot mania that must have happened when the Autobots and the Decepticons Oh my god, out. that absolutely would have been a fucking thing. There would have been, like, robots everywhere. I wonder if there would have been toys. Would there have been knockoff toys? Would they have tried to, like, contact the Autobots for licensing deals? Somebody please write this now, I'm curious. <laughs> I don't know if they would have tried contacting them. They probably wouldn't. Well, maybe, who knows. Yeah, um, I, I think it depends on, like, what company was doing it. But now I'm just imagining, like, would you have some poor, like lawyer trying to get a hold of the Autobots? Would they be- would they try to get a hold of the cons? Like, would- would actually the cons be okay with that if they were getting paid money? Like, it is a very good question! <laughs> Swindle would be the one who'd get in contact with them for the licensing whenever he showed up. Yes, I was so, gonna say, he's not there yet, though, to our knowledge. So. Oh, he's- he's definitely not there yet. He's still in robot prison. Oh, right! He's the one that was in robot- one of the ones that was in robot prison. Well, personality- store prison. Yeah, he's in the, prison. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want he did to piss off Shockwave, presumably, but he did something. I think Megatron's the one he pissed off. I'm not sure. But, but the that, rest of the That combat. wouldn't shock me, considering Swindle's track record on pissing people off. Yeah, I mean, considering he sells his teammate. We'll get into that yeah. later. He could <laughs> swindle shenanigans, if you will. Yeah, eventually we will. There are so many. <laughs> And then Carly exits the arcade, jumping into her magenta convertible to follow them, and it's amazing. <laughs> Carly is a badass. She's like, all right, I'm just going to follow you home then. <laughs> Pretty much. And meanwhile, Bumblebee drives like a goddamn idiot. I'm surprised he hasn't accidentally killed Spike. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was last episode. Because <laughs> he swerves out into traffic. Like, I don't think he even stops nope. at the end of the street. He's just like, <sighs> I think the better question here is, how is there no honking involved from the other drivers here? If you've driven, you make a mistake, people honk at you. Are these poor people just too used to crazy Autobot driving in their town now? Honestly, that's terrifying, and it makes you wonder how the Autobots don't have 
an absolutely metric fuck ton of tickets. I I love some fanfic that like um it, they're just kind of the running joke is the Autobots pay all their tickets, but the tickets are like sent directly to the Ark because half the time the Autobots won't stop for cops, especially if your name is Sideswipe. Yeah, either that or Sideswipe has like a collection of five hundred, and it is his pride and joy. Or yeah, something. yes, I like either of those extremes are pretty good. I think. Um, however, Bumblebee is pulled over by a very scary cop. His face does not change for the entire shot, <laughs> and and this is while he's be while Bumblebee is being pulled over. Not once he's out of the car. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should specify that. Right. But the man looks very caffeinated. He's got like an open mouth. It just looks very, very strange. They well, wanted to save some money. I guess what I guess it was. But what kills me here is that the cop didn't even apparently stop them for reckless driving, which we've established Bumblebee was driving very recklessly. But because Spike is too young to be driving. And the thing is, I don't think Spike is even in the driver's seat. I couldn't remember. I if think he was actually in the passenger seat. So basically, Bumble get, Bumblebee gets pulled over for not having anyone in the driver's seat. I don't know. He says he says Spike was driving um, when he pulls him over. So maybe I could be very wrong. Yeah, I that's the reason the cop gives. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah. Let me see if I got a picture. No, I just got a picture of Bumblebee getting cut off by the police officer. <laughs> Right, because the cop totally cut him off when he pulled over, too. Yeah, it looks like he's literally going to hit Bumblebee into the street sign. <laughs> yeah. And then Bumblebee transforms to set the cop straight, because there's this dialogue where Spike tells the cop about Bumblebee literally being an Autobot, and the cop comes back with... He's not a Bumblebee because he doesn't like buzz or whatever. Or if it's a Bumblebee, let me see him buzz or something. And Bumblebee's like, uh, maybe I can settle this without actually buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> to paraphrase. Yeah. And uh, Ravage suddenly tackles B right the fuck out of nowhere. Like, he's not been seen in this episode the entire time and just suddenly Ravage. How did no one notice this large metallic? Panther. In all fairness, we've established Ravage can turn invisible, so maybe he oh. was invisible in the background for <laughs> some amount of time, and carefully not stepping on people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, <sighs> God. Ravage clearly sticks some sort of device onto B, and somehow no one notices. No one notices. B doesn't notice. Spike doesn't notice. Nobody at the arc notices. It's visible on his fucking chassis. Come on. Uh, then Spike and the cop actually use jumper cables by hooking it up to the cop car uh, to shock Ravage to get him off of Bumblebee. <laughs> Somehow it... Oh, that actually gets referenced in one of the things that I... And one of the pieces of fanfiction we're going to be recommending oh, today. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but to be fair, Ravage had already uh, done his goal. He'd already attached the device to Bumblebee. So technically, he did what he wanted to do. Yeah, he, he fulfilled all of his goals for the day, I guess. And then the cop does mention that speed loss applies to Autobots, too. Uh, before he lets the two go on their way. So maybe he did think they were going too fast. But that is definitely not what he opened with. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, presumably Carly's got to be lurking in the background somewhere because she's going to show up later, which is also kind of funny, uh, assuming that she solved the entirety of this exchange. I kind of like to imagine her having a camera or whatever. <laughs> she's just taking... She's doing Autobot sightings. Although, see, I just like the idea of her kind of like... Squinting over her steering wheel, like, did he just get attacked by a giant metal panther? <laughs> yeah. Which is just amusing to me. It is. 
And then, so once they return to the base, Wheeljack does not give a fuck why they're late, just that they are late. And then he's like, all right, back to the thing. Yeah, he screws on the polarizer, they brought him, and then he is ready to go back right where he left off. Pretty much. He's very, very goal-oriented. He knows what his priorities are. <laughs> the device ravaged stuck to be turns out to be a camera with Megan Hara and Starscream watching Wheeljack's demonstration. Why? Why was this even needed? Laserbeak goes in and out of the arc, literally, not figuratively, all the time. I imagine Laserbeak's got better things to do with his time. I mean, he has to have better things to do with his time than following Bumblebee. He's on vacation? He didn't want to miss his soap operas? Ooh, I 100% believe Soundwave would do this so Laserbeak could watch his soaps. Headcanon accepted! They also may have wanted a better vantage point than Laserbeak would be able to get while hiding. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. But... Considering what happens next, that I'm not even sure if I think that makes sense. Whatever. I mean, Laser Beak is at home watching a soap opera. Change my. <laughs> don't bother trying to change my mind. This is what I believe. <laughs> and so the Autobots roll out to go elsewhere for Wheeljack to test his invention. So they don't have a recurring, um, a recurring thing like what happened with Ironhide. Although presumably sending out a memo would solve this, but okay. Uh, Ironhide is then stuck on watch duty once they arrive to wherever the fuck they are in the middle of a forest. <sighs> yeah. And then Wheeljack activates his device and freezes a waterfall. And probably kills a bunch of fish. I, I don't know. Like, if they're just frozen in time, presumably they'd be unfrozen and be fine. But well, I don't. we never see them freeze a living thing. The closest we get is when it happens to Wheeljack, but the thing is, it's not necessarily freezing things in time, it's freezing their molecules or their atoms, right, wherever they are. Right, but I'm saying that, like, I don't know what that looks like for them, because it could just be that, oh, Transformers don't need to breathe, and so Wheeljack is fine, but it's yeah. like, is that why, or does it freeze them in such a way where they're just basically held in stasis for an hour or whatever? That's a good point, but if it freezes them and their bodies still need, like, oxygen or whatever. Then yes, we killed a bunch of fish. <laughs> yeah. They're the real questions. <laughs> These are the real questions that we're not going to get answers to. Yeah. They say that this water is now harder than anything else they know. Okay, but why? Through the power of Wheeljack says so, that's why. Of course. Naturally, Braun tries to punch it. It's his way. Of course it is. Spike then ruins everything, uh, stepping on the remote and activating the device once again, but Wheeljack heroically tosses Spike out of the way and gets immobilized himself. It wasn't even aimed low enough to actually hit Spike, but okay. <laughs> Ratchet inspects Wheeljack by yanking on his head and then is like, oh no, we don't know how to reverse this. I'm sorry, Ratchet. Wheeljack did not plan for reversing things, apparently. <laughs> he didn't think this through very well. Yeah, although also insert joke about, oh god, my husband. Um, yeah. Carly catches up and accidentally distracts Ironhide for long enough that the cons are able to attack, which further feeds into Ironhide's insecurities. Which will magically dissipate after this episode ends. But I mean, how did we not hear what the hell was going on with the Decepticons attacking? I like you have a giant, you have multiple giant mechs. Uh, I think you know Soundwave and, and Megatron, obviously in robot mode. Then, but then you have three jets flying through the air. So I don't know how you don't hear that. Megatron demands the immobilizer, but Trailbreaker calls him a mega turkey. That's that's not even a good insult. It really isn't. But when are they? They just keep using turkey to insult cons. How do they even know what turkeys are? 
maybe Sparkplug told them some human insults, and I don't know, maybe they were around for Thanksgiving or something. I'm still 90% certain they don't actually know what a turkey is. Except maybe Hound. We did look up that thing on Turkey's geographical range. <laughs> so, for, for, for future reference, uh, I think turkeys are mostly in the Midwest and the eastern parts of the United States, but there is one subspecies of turkey that can be found in Washington and Oregon. So we were like, okay, theoretically, they could have seen a live turkey, I guess. <laughs> they could have possibly hit a live turkey. <laughs> yeah, that too. It's the Rio Grande subspecies, or I something think. like that, yeah. yeah. Megatron orders an attack. The Autobots hide behind Trailbreaker's shield. Starscream proceeds to run his mouth off again and then jumps in the air to attack the Autobots from above. To combat this assault, Sideswipe jumps into the air and tackles him. Sideswipe is flying, by the way. Yeah, he does have a jetpack. We've established that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Causing his fire to go erratic and hit the cons who scatter. Sorry, causing Starscream's fire yes. to go erratic and hit the cons who scatter. Yeah. <laughs> And then the Decepticons take cover behind some trees. Okay, I'm pretty sure they should not be fitting behind these trees as well as they are, because those trees look huge. When did we end up in the National Redwood Forest, or the Redwood National Forest? Apparently, that's where Wheeljack goes to test his dangerous inventions. (laughs) They drove all the way to California for this. Why? Why? And then Skywarp proceeds to shoot a bouncer bomb. That's basically, um, it basically turns this entire fight into a wacky pinball game as it ricochets around the field. I'll have you know we did actual research on what the heck he said here because and looked it up because I thought it sounded like Pulsar Bomb and Specs thought it sounded like Cluster Bomb. So according to the GM wiki, it's a bouncer bomb, which is just as silly as you'd think. It just bounce, bounce, bounce. And Megatron gets so sick of this thing that he ults into his gun mode and Soundwave shoots him at it. Insert your own joke here. Of course, this also hits a tree, knocking it over right on top of Optimus Prime, who just so happened to be holding the immobilizer. It looks as silly as it sounds. It It does. It's delightful. Yeah. We got photos. We did. (laughs) Um, And then Ironhide attempts to get the immobilizer before the cons do, but gets shot by Megatron for his trouble. Starscream grabs the immobilizer, Ironhide shoots him with the oil from his arms, and he falls on his face. And yet the immobilizer still just rolls right to Megatron, because obviously that's where it wants to go. Obviously. Starscream yells that his telemeter has been damaged as he walks into trees over and over again after getting up. I think it's telemetry. Uh, was it? Oh, I thought he said telemeter, but eh, either telemeter or telemetry, I don't it doesn't matter. Because yeah, I looked it up. Te- telemetry actually is a real word. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I think the act of reading or transmitting something. So that's why I was like, okay, is te- did they say telemeter? And like telemeter is supposed to be the part of their biology that doesn't? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... Point of the mad fact is Starscream screaming while walking into trees. That's really all you need to know. It's really goofy. It's really goofy and delightful, yes. And then Optimus points out that Megatron is losing his soldiers, and Megatron says his soldiers don't matter as long as I get what I deserve! Speaking of which, at the exact moment Starscream makes his way over to the rest of the group of cons, the water that they're all standing on unfreezes and washes them all downriver. It's great. It is amazing. The Autobots proceed to head back to base, taking the still-frozen Wheeljack, who at this point is being held by, like, 
All the mini-bots? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't give it to, like, Optimus or something. No, no, we gotta make all the mini-bots, Karen. Yeah. Back at base, Ironhide is whining about this being all his fault. And Ratchet is not having any of his shit. He also threatens to disconnect Ironhide's synthesizer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ironhide feels like he's too old to be useful, and he says he's going into retirement. What do retired Autobots do? Do they yell dang now that retired Decepticons? Do they... Do they sit on the front porch and wave wave their fists angrily at young Decepticon hoodlums messing around on their lawns? Do they whack each other over the head with canes? The world may never know. <laughs> Carly is joining in on this pity party, blaming herself and apologizing to Ironhide. Because they took her back with them. They did take her back with them. Uh, which then Ironhide shows Carly around the base, including their ammo storage area with a bunch of giant missiles. Missiles we never see them use. Missiles that don't seem to match the specs of any Autobot weapon we will ever see in this series. I mean, maybe those missiles that they had when they crashed that they can't use? Maybe. It still but... just seemed weird that, that like, they walk into this room and there's just a fuck ton of missiles. Yeah, uh, Ironhide's is like, we wish we didn't have them either. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and then Carly just pockets a freaking grenade because... Fuck girl. yeah, Carly! <laughs> the girl knows what she wants. She does, and she wants to blow shit up. Wheeljack finally unfreezes and worries that they'll be doomed if the cons can figure out a way to make that effect permanent. I guess Wheeljack knew that the thing wasn't permanent, so that's why he didn't care. Yeah, probably. But he may have also still not known what it did to organic life, which is why he did not want Spike to get it. Yeah. I'm willing to bet a lot of money Wheeljack froze himself multiple times during that making that damn thing, to be honest. No, probably. Spike notices Carly is missing, and he and Bumblebee go after her. Carly is fucking amazing. When we next see her, she is in a boat in the middle of the ocean in scuba gear, ready to storm the Decepticon base. Which would seem to suggest that, one, their base is not that deep underwater, as she does not need deep diving gear, and or the writers have no idea what deep diving gear is, pick one, and that it isn't that far offshore, as she is in a pretty small boat. She's also wearing a full wetsuit instead of, like, a bikini. Which is nice, honestly! Mm -hmm. She's a prepared lady. I like her. Yep. And presumably that the Decepticons headquarters is just general knowledge. Yeah, which is also pretty funny, to be honest. It's just like, do the fishermen of the area just know to avoid, like, this mild, wide area around it? And it's just like, don't look directly at the birds! Don't look directly at the birds! Yeah. Either that or she is just enough, interested enough in Transformers... That she's found all this shit out. Which I also would believe, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Soundwave notices her intrusion nearly immediately and sends Laserbeak after her. And she actually put up a pretty good fight, considering she had no weapons on her at the time. Like, I think she beans Laserbeak, or tries to, with her uh, scuba diving air supply. Yeah. She has no... She gives no fucks. She gives no fucks. <laughs> the Autobots are alerted to Carly's distress by the Sky Spy. The cons actually recognize Carly from the fight earlier in the day and assume the Autobots will send someone after her, so they're basically holding her hostage. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, the, ta- the Skyfire taxi service drops Ironhide off with Bumblebee and Spike so they can get Carly back together. Underwater, uh, Carly's earlier place bomb, because she stuck one on the base, detonates, and the cons leave Carly in a room that is quickly filling with water. Uh, but then Ironhide busts in and saves her. <laughs> Ironhide knows what he's about. 
Uh, not on the shore, they meet up with Spike and Bumblebee, but Megatron appears and uses the modified immobilizer on Ironhide, freezing him. Optimus shows up and shoots Megatron. Megatron falls over and Starscream declares himself the new leader. It's funny. It is very funny. But Megatron's fine. He just took one shot, you know, compared to explosives that were uh, <clears throat> powerful enough to move an entire fucking planet. Starscream, I think you're jumping the gun a bit here. <clears throat> Pun intended. <laughs> For some ungodly reason, Rumble has the immobilizer remote and is controlling it. I mean, he's doing a good enough job. I just think it's weird they handed it to him. He looks so serious. He does. Autobots are being immobilized left and right, but Carly has a plan. Always good to have a plan. She gets Braun to dig a tunnel underneath the immobilizer with Jazz distracting the cons with the powers of music. <laughs> really loud music. Yeah. Carly comes up from below, swaps two wires, and everybody unfreezes. Needs to swap the polarity or something? It's, I don't know. It's like the positive and negative wires. I don't know. It's literally like the only two wires in there when she opens the damn thing. It's great. Yeah. <sighs> Laserbeak attempts to recover the immobilizer, but Ironhide fights him off, redeeming himself. And I guess Laserbeak was done with his soaps. He must point. have been done with his soaps. Uh, when the Autobots win, Megatron throws an honest-to-God fucking tantrum. It is amazing. Uh, but the cons do retreat. <laughs> yep. Later, in a blazing sunset, Ironhide tells Prime that he's coming out of retirement, thus completing his character arc. The, like, one character arc he'll have in the series, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> Wheeljack asks Carly how she figured out her brilliant strategy of swapping two fucking wires. She spouts some techno babble, and she, we find out that she's going to college at MIT. Spike likes older women. He does. Spike asks Carly out for a chocolate soda. Is that an egg cream? Did he just ask her out for an egg cream? Where do you even get those? <laughs> um, soda fountains, apparently. Were those know. things? Were those still a thing in the eighties, guys? Guys, guys, we weren't born yet. Were those still a thing in the eighties? <laughs> I don't know. I want to know. <laughs> um, we looked up. Uh, we, we looked, looked up, up what a chocolate soda was because we were like, is it an egg cream? And we don't think it's an egg cream, but but is it an egg cream? We're, we, we have no idea. Well, let me look <laughs> up egg creams because an egg cream we is... We did. We did. Mm. And it didn't look like it was the same thing because the recipes were different. Well, it is a carbon... It's basically a carbonated chocolate milk. I think the chocolate soda is basically an addition of ice cream. Yeah, I think... We, you. We, I read it and you were like, that's basically a shake. Yeah. Um... They leave immediately, jumping into Carly's car and riding off as the episode ends. Join us next time in Dinobot Island, Part 1. Buckle up for Dinobots, Dinosaurs, Prehistoric Islands, and Time Travel. Woohoo! It's going to be a ride. <laughs> yeah. My dearest Bex, what is our fanfic for today? Okay, so we have two Carly-based fanfiction recommendations Woo! for today. The first is He Will Meet No Suave Discussion by Shadowshock. Uh, G1 Cartoon, rated K+, Gen, no pairings. Uh, characters are Carly, Chip, Wheeljack, various Autobots, and Ravage. And in summary, uh, don't mess with Chip. <laughs> and our theme for this one, our character rack, is uh, Carly being a badass. Carly is lovely. And it's a one-shot. And our second... Second one is $50 Data Plan by Retrolex. And it's G1 Cartoon Continuity, rated T for Teens, Gen, no pairings, Carly, and the characters are Carly and various Autobots. And in summary, time to upgrade that data plan, Carly. <laughs>
Because like, remember, this is like the 80s or possibly the 90s when they're writing this. And like you have a bunch of robots that can freely submit, Im- or, you know, uh, freely transmit text. information. Yes. Freely text. <laughs> you know what they, do you, do you remember what data plans were like in the 90s? They were not good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the opening line in it is, did you know that texts from giant robots count as long distance? <laughs> like that it's something, something like, like that. that it's great and um basically our theme for that is carly and it's a one shot i've actually read this one it's very short but it is quite funny it is it's basically carly recounting a whole bunch of text messages that she's gotten from giant robots which is a great just just a good premise come on mm-hmm. and basically bemoaning the fact that she'll probably be broke with her next year <laughs> yeah and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillarfart as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Els. Diddles.